Hello and welcome to another edition of Cultural Conversations with the Big South. I'm your host, Darius Thigpen, and this month we have a very special guest from the newest full-time member of the Big South Conference, North Carolina A&T State University, the Chancellor and alumnus of the university, Dr. Harold Lee Martin, Senior Chancellor. How are you this yeah, evening? Doing it superbly. How about you? Doing very well. Well, it's an exciting time for the Big South with North Carolina A&T officially joining the conference at the beginning of the month, and it's been a year-long transition. This was first announced in the days before the pandemic really set in in 2020. So given what a trying year it was, how did the university fare with this transitional period, given that even your sports teams were unable to really do a full farewell tour across the MEAC? Uh, great question. We, we worked very diligently uh, here in North Carolina, where most of our UNC system campuses, to open our universities and to create as uh, quality and educational experience with as many of our students who desire to be on our campus as possible. Uh, so we opened our residence halls, created social distancing, requirements for mask wearing, high levels of testing and the like. Uh, but fortunately for us, we had uh, our students were highly engaged, were very excited about being in Greensboro, being a part of the campus experience. Well, a good percentage remained home and decided to take all of their instruction uh, virtually. Um, but for us, the university experienced enrollment growth, even in the midst of the pandemic, uh, we saw a high level of corporate engagement and sponsorship. Our alums were very generous in campaign donations. Um, so for our university, our faculty and staff were highly engaged. Our students were provided a high quality education experience. And for all intent purposes, we had as productive and successful a year as we've seen in quite some time. So it was a good year for us, despite the pandemic. A good year in spite of the pandemic, a good year in spite of a, a transition. Were, were there any reservations or, or any feedback that you heard from people about leaving the MEAC and, and going into a, a brave new world from your perspective? Well, change is different, difficult for lots of folk. We went through a significant level of planning uh, significantly before uh, we made a decision uh, and engaged in significant levels of dialogue with Big South about transitioning. Uh, and so we were very transparent, if you will, about our attempts to look differently as we look to the future about athletics. Uh, and so when the opportunity uh, presented itself to potentially become a member of the Big South, uh, our board, our athletics foundation and boosters were highly engaged, very excited and enthused about the opportunity. And so once the announcement was made, uh, we went on tours with our AD and other athletics uh, coaches and staff to engage with alums, answering lots of questions, uh, hyping the excitement, enthusiasm. And so uh, officially, as we approached July 1st, uh, the excitement and enthusiasm amped up quite substantially. Our alums have been overly enthused. They're even more enthused about, uh, as we have celebrated a great uh, ye years of successes within the uh, MEAC conference as well, uh, they are overly enthused about now becoming new members of the Big South. The right decision for our university, tremendous opportunities for our student athletes, quite honestly. And we think we bring a lot to the conference, 
and we'll look forward to building and creating even new um, rivalries that excite uh, alums and stimulate uh, student athletes who want to be a part of the experience as well. So uh, from all of our uh, assessment, it has been the right decision with a high level of excitement and enthusiasm from our constituency. And, and certainly glad to hear that you're excited to join the Big South. So, so when you look at the Big South Conference, what really stands out for you as the big reason to join? What, what gets you excited when thinking about uh, this new partnership moving forward? We think there are probably several key things that are important. One uh, is that, first and foremost, uh, the Big South is a well-managed, uh, well-poised uh, group of member institutions who are similar in high expectations, standards in the classrooms, research, um, reputation of the individual campuses, and hence reputation of the Big South. As we were looking for a conference, we were looking for a conference that held those kinds of consistent sets of values that were similar to our universities. Secondly, we were looking for uh, very competitive institutions uh, on the playing field, uh, supporting student athletes, ensuring high standards of academic success of student athletes, and high standards of competition uh, across the conference as well. We're also very, very excited about the consistent relationships with ESPN, uh, TV visibility uh, for the Big South and hence uh, for our university as well. And finally, we found an opportunity to continue to explore opportunities to uh, build excellence across new sports of our university. Uh, in addition to football and men's and women's basketball and baseball and course track and field and volleyball, of course, will remain in the MEAC, but we also want to continue to see excitement and success in sports such as golf, men's and women's, as well as uh, volleyball, uh, quite honestly, and softball for our young women. Uh, and so we look for these sports to continue to become high levels of success for our university as well. And the Big South provides those opportunities for us to do that. You mentioned the partnership that the Big South Conference has with ESPN. Having events on ESPN, having championship games and championship events as a part of the ESPN family of networks, what impact does that have for both the university and for the athletic programs? It creates tremendous opportunities for exposure uh, for our university, for our fans, and for our student athletes and athletics programs. Uh, all student athletes look for opportunities to find various ways to compete at the highest level and have that competition be viewed broadly. Uh, many student athletes see themselves playing at the next level, uh, as you know, and this creates that atmosphere that supports those student athletes having a platform to compete successfully in very visible venues. It also gives us an opportunity as a university to share the excellence of our university, the excellence of our academic programs, the excellence of our research, the impact of our institution on economic uh, growth and prosperity of our region, of our state, of our university. Uh, all those things come to bear as part of the visibility and growth 
and recognition and brand of our university. So we appreciate the opportunity for increased exposure through TV um, opportunities, through athletics in this instance, through ESPN. So we're excited about what that means for the institution. Right, we hear stories all the time about how a team wins football national championship and enrollment goes up. So is, is, is it something along those lines where that exposure just, you, you see the impact that it has on enrollment, you see the impact that it has in, in what your impact can be, not just at the university level, but Absolutely. on your local community. Well, it also suggests um, not only uh, increases in enrollment, we've seen the evidence of that with our successes uh, over the past decade or so in athletics, enrollment has been tied uh, enrollment growth has been tied to that success in athletics. We've seen the growth in alumni excitement and enthusiasm, and therefore they're giving to the institution in more generous ways, and friends and corporate partners of the university as well, and corporate and organizational sponsorships of athletics and other events and activities of our campus as well. Those have increased quite dramatically with successes in athletics. And this, is, this is, has been historically proven uh, to have um, critical impact on the success of the institution in other areas as well. And so we've seen the evidence of that without exception. I want to transition into uh, looking at what this means joining the Big South Conference in leaving the MEAC, leaving a conference where they're all HBCUs to now being just one of two with Hampton having made the move similarly in 2018. In making this move to a conference full of PWIs, especially given the timing and the climate in the country, do you see any extra significance in joining the Big South Conference? HBCUs uh, have been getting increasing levels of visibility in the past few years, and in particular in the last couple of years, uh, related to uh, exposure of alumni uh, being selected to compete and assume responsibilities at the highest level of government. Kamala Harris, a graduate of Howard University, for example, uh, our own alumna, uh, Alma Adams, as kind of a congresswoman uh, from North Carolina, and our most recent uh, alum been appointed to head the EPA. All of those levels of visibility for HBCUs have created significant opportunities for not only exposure, student interest, financial contributions to our universities. You couple that with the unfortunate uh, challenges with policing in America, uh, the unfortunate death of George Floyd, uh, Brianna Taylor, and others who have had uh, unfortunate interactions with police uh, in America. All of these have increased the high levels of social consciousness uh, in our nation, uh, giving great visibility uh, for historical black colleges and universities. We are bringing that level of increased success of our university, increased visibility, and the great traditions, pride, and excellence of our university in a similar way Hampton has done uh, when it earlier joined the Big South as well. We're bringing all of this excitement and enthusiasm, success of our institution, and competitiveness of our university into the Big South. And we look for great opportunities to continue to grow the university, enhance our reputational brand, compete successfully, not only on the playing fields, but also in research and growth in our university, 
economic impact of our institution as well. And so we see the Big South creating a new set of peers against whom we see ourselves competing, again, across a variety of benchmarks, including athletics as well. And so we believe we are poised to continue to grow and be successful at our university. And we see the great opportunities to demonstrate that with a great group of new peers as members of the Big South. Well, you mentioned it, there's been a massive uptick in the visibility of HBCUs. Uh, matter of fact, July 2020 was the most searched, uh, HBCUs were the most searched term on Google uh, for any month, any time in Google's Absolutely. search volume. That's the most HBCUs have ever been searched. And in the last year plus, have you seen it from your vantage point that increase in visibility leading directly to things happening at your university? And, and do, you, do you feel that there are, are possibly ways that you can take this to not just help your own university, but the visibility of HBCUs and how HBCUs are, are seen across the nation? Absolutely. Uh, we have been very strategic uh, at our university and focusing uh, with our strategic direction for the institution and creating excellence and competitiveness in this institution. Uh, and very strategically, uh, touting our success through our marketing branding strategies. And when you couple the successes of the institution, increasing competitiveness, uh, intentionality of the institution to grow and the like, it has created a great opportunity for our university to be beneficiaries of record numbers of applications for admission from students from throughout North Carolina and across the nation as a whole. And enrollment has continued to surge forward very significantly over the last decade, positioning our university as the largest HBC in the nation. And based upon expected enrollment growth this year, we will continue to be the largest HBCU in the nation by a substantial margin. But what we've also seen is a significant surge in alumni giving, corporate partnerships and contributions, foundation contributions, and as you are familiar, a very substantial uh, gift from Mackenzie Scott, as she has not only supported our institution, but other minority-serving institutions and HBCUs around the nation as well. But I'll tell you honestly, we have seen high levels of excitement and enthusiasm from those seeking employment. We are growing and as a factor of growing, we're recruiting large numbers of new faculty and new staff to complement the support and growth of our institution as well. And the outstanding applicant pools that we're seeing for each and every one of the key positions that we are seeking to build talent and grow our institution reflect the growing visibility of our institution, uh, quite honestly. And that exposure nationally, the relevance and competitiveness of HBCUs that you're seeing emerging across the landscape of, of America and the whole directly has been benefiting our institution. And we have continued to be very intentional about how we manage the growth, the visibility and exposure for our institution and the strategic decisions we're making, the growth and support and transition to the Big South. Another very important strategic decision for growth uh, of our institution for the future as well. And you'll see that reflected across a variety of important decisions, not only our university is making, but other historical black colleges are demonstrating in the very important decisions they're making, expanding new programs, creating new athletics venues, 
uh, and making strategic hires that are making a difference in what those institutions have continued to be able to do over their history of contributions to higher education to America. And looking at HBCUs as a whole and their story throughout America, I look at it now where you see Deion Sanders going and wanting to be a head coach at an HBCU and you see five-star recruits considering HBCUs. With all of this momentum that HBCUs in, in mass and with your university being the largest, do you see this being a trend toward HBCUs being seen as level with PWIs in the future? Or is that even something that is something that is being aimed towards? Well, absolutely. Quite honestly, the um, sort of black college and universities are no different than PWIs in seeking to be the best they can be, uh, creating um, plans for the future that ensure that their relevance and competitiveness uh, gets to be shared in very significant ways. The talk about colleges and universities have been making contributions to our nation for over 150 years. And so this is not new. Uh, it has become an opportunity in the most recent past few years that the institutions are getting a high level of visibility, which gives them a platform to be able to demonstrate more broadly to America as a whole, the excellence in the university's academic programs, the competitiveness of their graduates, as they're leaving the institution and going to graduate professional schools across the landscape and making contributions in very significant ways. HBCUs have historically produced the largest number of African-American teachers, STEM graduates, uh, persons who go on to graduate professional schools, earning MDs, PhDs, law degrees, and the like. That will, in my mind, accelerate even more so uh, over the next decade or so. So I expect these trends will continue, uh, quite honestly. Uh, there has been this tremendous opportunity for bright and talented uh, young people graduating from high schools across uh, the United States who are beginning to gain a high level of exposure to these institutions, and not just African-American students, but non-African-American students as well, white students, Hispanic, Latinx students as well, Asian students who are looking for excellent opportunities for a quality educational experience. And you'll see that reflected in growing populations of enrollment growth across the historical black colleges and universities. And one of the points I would make here is that uh, historical black colleges and universities have always been diverse. They've always been open to students of other races and nationalities. They really have. And so this is not new for historical black colleges and universities. It is new for America to begin to recognize that this sector of the higher education institutions are poised not only to make significant contributions, but to continue to do so. And part of your question uh, raised uh, the expectation that our HBCUs seeking to compete with, P uh, compete with PWIs. Absolutely. I think that fundamentally, any institution of higher education not looking to be the very best it can be, uh, is not looking to grow and continue to be a relevant institution in this business, quite honestly. And so you will see increasing levels of historical black colleges and universities sharing their successes, uh, competing for the spotlight, and looking for ways to demonstrate their excellence, 
their relevance and their competitiveness. We already mentioned a, a bit about the fact that H, uh, your HBCU, North Carolina A&T, being the largest with enrollment and being a leader when it comes to STEM. Those are certainly a couple of things that I, I think about when I think about North Carolina A&T. And I, I look at the last few years since you've been the chancellor and you've accomplished so much already. Now, when you look to the future, when you look to uh, take momentum toward 2023, when you look at your strategic plan, what are some of the things that you all are looking to accomplish next? We were very, very intentional with our board of trustees and our campus community uh, when I arrived as chancellor in 2009 uh, to position the university to be amongst its top peers uh, in relevant benchmarks. So we created a strategic direction for the institution as a doctoral research land-grant institution identifying a group of relevant peers who are comparable in mission, land-grant institutions, and who are doctoral institutions in America. The predominance of these institutions are PWIs, who are land-grant doctoral research universities. We identified benchmarks, uh, enrollment growth, student success, job placement, starting salaries, average research of our faculty, uh, increasing the innovation of our university through patents and patent disclosures, book chapters of our faculty, relevance and excellence of our faculty, uh, fundraising, economic impact, benchmarks that demonstrate that our university is among the top tier institutions in our peer group. We have demonstrated uh, precisely that. We are competing uh, amongst the best universities in our peer group. We continue to revise these peers so that we set the benchmarks in a more competitive posture that give us even more um, strategic areas of growth opportunity so that we continue to expand the institution. We're hitting our enrollment targets so we continue to advance our enrollment targets. We have revised our strategic plan uh, once uh, since we uh, deployed it back in 2010. We will seek to continue to revise our strategic direction, reposition our peers, and set additional benchmarks that allows our university to continue to grow, compete successfully, enhance the relevance of the university so that we are a major contributor of graduates in strategic areas of greatest need in our community, in our region, and across the landscape of our nation as a whole. Land-grant institutions are and were developed to be major contributors to critical areas of need of our nation that fosters growth. That's what land-grant institutions were created to do. 1862 land-grant institutions. We're an 1890 land-grant institution. And all things that we do are designed to have an impact on improving the quality of life uh, for citizens in our community, in our state, and across the nation as a whole. That is something we are most passionate about, very passionate about, and very committed to. Well, Chancellor, I certainly understand the, uh, the university and all universities aiming toward that edification through education, but, but for you personally, where does, the, where does that passion come from, to want to look to improve the world through education? You know, I grew up uh, very fortunate with uh, two incredible parents uh, who were not educated, 
but absolutely valued education and expected uh, with a high level of, um, of uh, demands from my older brother and sister and I that we would absolutely be our very best uh, and that we would absolutely uh, do things that they did not have the opportunities to do uh, growing up uh, during their era. So getting an education was critically important. They also trusted uh, those in our communities who had the greatest opportunities to have an impact on us, teachers in our schools, uh, mentors uh, for us, who were able to provide for us the kind of expectations that allowed us to forge uh, plans for our futures uh, as well. They never uh, tolerated excuses for failure. Uh, it was not an aim, not an option, but certainly expectations for us. So those individuals around us who coupled with our parents and created those expectations for us, uh, created for us a passion for also wanting to give back to our communities. And that has been a critical passion for me uh, through pursuing my own graduate education and committing myself to higher education because I assure you, Darius, uh, as many in my era uh, will say to you, education is the platform that has made all the difference in our lives, uh, quite honestly. And so what we do uh, at Durrell University is our passion by educating very bright young people and creating opportunities for very bright futures for them as well. And so we have borrowed from the expectations and demands of our parents. We borrowed from the demands and expectations for that village that helped to raise us and committed to us and passing it forward so that we continue to ensure that what we do is making a difference and providing these educational opportunities for these incredibly bright young people as well. And so uh, it has been a drive and passion for me, uh, quite honestly, and the rewards of seeing bright students take advantage of opportunities and go on to excel in life. Uh, you cannot imagine how the, the rewards can be measured in significant ways when you see that happen time and time again year and year after uh, when you walk, watch these bright students uh, walk across the stage and get that degree and go on to do remarkable things in our communities, quite honestly. So that's where my passion comes from. Yes, sir. It's beautiful. So when you take a look into the future and not if, but when your university you hit all your targets, you hit all your goals, what does the future look like with North Carolina A&T at the helm? We expect that we will continue to grow the institution and focus increasingly more on the diversity of academic programs we provide to a growing population of students on our campus, a growing connection of our university to our surrounding communities and our state and the nation and producing record numbers of graduates in those critical areas for their national excellence in teachers. Uh, the commitments we're making to recruiting top students to teach education so that we are producing a high percentage of highly regarded, well-prepared, excellent teachers for our school districts in our region, especially African-American male teachers, African-American teachers in general, especially in STEM disciplines, uh, for example, producing increasing record numbers of healthcare providers. Uh, you know and I know that uh, uh, individuals in the minority community are less trusting of the 
healthcare pro uh, providers in our communities. And so, but they're much more trusting when they see doctors and nurses and healthcare providers who look like them at this high level of trust in that regard. So our commitment is to produce high levels of healthcare providers uh, in general, but high levels of minority healthcare providers who look like those individuals in our communities who need to have those, uh, have that high level of trust. Continue to produce uh, ag scientists and uh, graduates from our College of Agriculture who are helping to improve the uh, growth of foods and food safety and food production to feed the world, an increasing population of whom are brown and black people who are living in food deserts and need to have access to increase abundant levels of food and qualities of food and healthy access to food, uh, for example. That's what land-grant institutions do. And when I look ac across the uh, horizon into the future, our university as a land-grant institution will be fulfilling that mission uh, in profound ways, uh, creating opportunities to enhance growth and jobs and retail and services and opportunities to deliver uh, resources into our communities in more abundant ways that, than they've ever been in the past. When we look at what has been part of the discussions that have grown out of the social justice protests and debates uh, over the past couple of years or so since um, uh, the last year or so since George Floyd's murder uh, and policing conversations, as we've had discussions on our own campus, this is more than about policing, although that's critically important. This is also about social inequities in our communities and across our state and across the nation as a whole. Uh, inequities and gaps in education, in an, uh, unemployment, in health care, healthcare, for example. Uh, and it's important for our university, universities like mine, to ensure that we're helping to address those inequities and bring attention to those inequities in our society and find solutions unapologetically in bringing resources and policy change and decisions that transform our communities and enhance wealth, enhance growth, enhance prosperity uh, throughout our communities and the region as a whole. And you will see the evidence of that from universities like North Carolina and State University taking an increasing lead in these discussions because that's part of our DNA, that's part of the history of the creation of our universities, uh, quite honestly, and it's part of the passion that drives our university and the evidence of the successes we're having in this space as well. So you're going to see uh, increased evidence of the impact of our university, North Carolina State University, and other universities in leading these discussions in very significant ways, of which I'm very excited about. And from everyone here at the Big South, we are very excited to have you here at the table as well. Now, before we close things out on our conversation, I would like to bring up your love for the sport of basketball. Now, as I understand it, you are a big fan, not just of your own program, but uh, also used to play, used to show up some students in uh, staff versus faculty games, students games. 
So your associate vice chancellor, Todd Simmons, he mentioned that you even tweeted a little trash talk for one of these games with students. So can we expect to see you with any more of these games against students and giving them a little bit of the business both on and off the court? Absolutely. You know, I, I find opportunities to challenge our students um, in a variety of ways where I can get their attention. Uh, if that's uh, in a basketball game or a game of pool in the student center, a uh, game of ping pong, if you will, there are growing numbers of our students who love to skateboard or, or gaming, if you will, uh, quite honestly. I will challenge them. And I think critically important is it creates the opportunity to have the conversation with these incredibly bright students. You get their attention so that you are able to find out more about them. They're able to find out more about you. And uh, if I can take them to the hoop one-on-one -on -one or engage them in a game of basketball, uh, I'm prepared to do that. And you know, I think the, the uh, exciting part about this, quite honestly, though, is that um, Students love to have the opportunity to engage with uh, you in venues outside of the office environment, outside of the classroom, quite honestly. And I love creating that opportunity. My wife and I host uh, dinner functions with our students throughout the year, uh, 25 to 40, uh, at a time about two to three times a week, a month, uh, quite honestly, uh, that creates that opportunity where we engage in conversations one-on-one -on -one and as a group. It must be so exciting for the students to absolutely. feel that they have that me. direct access to you. Um, absolutely. You. Well, Chancellor, I've, great, I've greatly appreciated your time and your insight. And as we wrap up, I do like to make sure that we can promote what our guests are working on or charities, some organizations that they would like to highlight. Is there any group that you would like to highlight for the work that they've done in line with your goals at North Carolina A&T? I've been very fortunate to work with a number of uh, nonprofit organizations in our community um, that are making a difference on the campus, that partner with our students, that allow our students to go out and engage. We are a Carnegie classified engaged university. Uh, that's critically important. Uh, you've seen tweets very recently of our students, our women's basketball team, for example, out uh, working at one of the uh, community centers where young kids have an opportunity to engage with our student athletes uh, as well. But so some of those um, uh, nonprofit organizations that have made the biggest difference for our students to partner with and for our university to partner with include the United Way, uh, where there is a huge focus on seeking to eradicate uh, homelessness and, uh, and poverty uh, in the Greensboro community. Uh, we've partnered with Habitat for Humanity that helps to build homes to address homelessness and those who need uh, high-quality housing, for example. We partner with Gifford County Schools uh, because of the high percentage of young people, and a number of them uh, black and brown children, who are not reading at grade level, uh, for example, or not as excited and comfortable with mathematics. So we partner there uh, and help raise money uh, in that space, for example. As an example, with Gifford County Schools, we've partnered to create two high schools on our campus to address um, creating more students, uh, graduating 
uh, students who have a high interest in high IQ in math and science. So it's a STEM high school that's graduating some really, really talented young people. And we have an all male high school focusing on black and brown boys who don't do as well in public, uh, larger high school settings, but on our campus in our middle school uh, for all male kids, these young men are excelling, graduating 100% of these young men finish their high school diplomas. They're graduating with college credit uh, while they're on the campus, they're taking college uh, credits as well. And high percentages of them, 99% of them are going on to two year and four year schools as well. So these kinds of partnerships, collaborations are extremely important. We partner with the chamber to create jobs in our communities. For example, I could go on and on about the incredibly important partnerships we've created in this community that allows us to make a difference in improving the quality of life for all of our citizens in Greensboro, black and brown families alike. And so that work will continue in very significant ways. And we look forward to seeing how Greensboro continues to grow around your university. For me, I'd like to uh, shout out the Black Play-by-Play Scholarship and Grant Fund. Uh, the fund is a scholarship opportunity for Black college students interested in learning the art of sports broadcasting and play-by-play -play and joining a growing network that young Black broadcasters will be able to rely on as they get their careers started to make sure that we both see and hear representation in the broadcast, broadcast booth as well as on the field of play itself. But North Carolina A&T University Chancellor, Dr. Harold Martin Sr., I truly appreciate your time and thank you so much for joining us. Darius, I appreciate all that you are doing and your platform for this program and thank you for the opportunity to join you today, very much. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you viewers for tuning in to Cultural Conversations with the Big South and we'll see you next time.